New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Total Soccer Show's Women's World Cup Daily. Costa Rica's chances of progressing are done, thanks to the girls from the land of the rising sun. Joining Japan in the knockouts will be Spain, who delivered to Zambia some more five-goal-based pain. And Irish eyes were not smiling in Perth, as Canada denied Ireland a knockout berth. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, as always, we have Mr. Taylor Rockwell, who before we were recording was explaining how to make iced coffee to one of the other hosts. Hello, Taylor. Hello. Yeah, it turns out make hot coffee cold and then you have iced coffee. It's it's a pretty difficult, elaborate process, but one can make it happen. Indeed. Joining us also, a man who learned this information moments ago, <laughs> Graham Ruthven. Hello. Bye-bye, Ryan. Sorry, I meant to say hello, and but I said the opposite thing, like a referee announcing a Spain VR goal. Hey-o! Sorry about that, sorry about that. <laughs> yes, I did learn. Taylor uh, politely informed me of how to make iced mm-hmm. coffee. Involves ice, involves prep time, though. That's the thing that puts me off. Mm. No offside, no goal. We'll get to that very shortly, Graham. Exciting times Graham, ahead. You could also go my patented route of pour the cup of coffee that is hot, immediately forget that you poured that cup of coffee, let it sit for 20 minutes, and then drink it as though it's iced coffee, and just tell yourself that's what you meant to do the whole time. I didn't ask for room temperature coffee, Taylor. (laughs) I feel like coffee doesn't go room temperature. It goes hot to, like, ice cold. There's no in between. I don't know why that is. Yeah, you leave it too long, and instantly it's iced coffee. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's the magic switch you need. Joining us to wade in on this thrilling coffee debate, Joe Lowry. Hello, how are you, Joe? I'm I'm doing great. While you guys are talking about coffee, Ryan, I've just been staring at your face this entire time. I kind of miss the beard. I won't lie. I know this isn't super useful for everybody else. I'm just looking at you and like, where's the beard, man? I know you shaved it not too long ago. You look great either way. But I've been mm, thinking sure, beard-related Joe. thoughts while you guys are talking about the temperature of various coffee beverages. Ryan, Joe d- doesn't love your real face. That's the TLDR of that. <laughs> Cover it. Mm. Right. If it helps, uh, my daughter lovingly pointed at my face yesterday, made a like ugly face and said, why that look that way? So like at least uh, <laughs> my daughter and Joe are equally brutal in their appraisals. OK, uh, well, Joe, uh, thank you. I think I'm not sure. But um, the reason I shaved my beard <laughs> recently <laughs> is because we are heading towards well, we're in summer. And I thought if I do decide to shave it and I've got like a tan or something, if I shave it, and I've got like half a white face. It will look bad. So it was preemptive. Is the- Wait, so let me get this straight. You had a beard in Italy yeah. for two, like two years living in Italy, had a beard. Yeah. And now you've returned to England, no beard. Explain the logic. Uh, didn't leave the house in Italy. Right, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, Ryan, I think you're better, slightly better at planning your tan than Graham is at being able to plan out his coffee beverages. So mm. I will give you some credit for that. I think you've earned it. 
Ryan, I think I think you did the smart thing uh, because I, when I first went to Turkey, went uh, clean shaven with a big head of hair and came back with a shaved head and a full beard. And I got questions coming through airport security. (laughs) So I think you went the smarter way by comparison. Did, Did they ask why you turned your head upside down? Uh, yes, they did. Are you Wooly Bully was the first question. Uh, I've told this before. Uh, I always appreciated the Turkish customs officer, by comparison, looked at the difference in the photo to my appearance and said, Turkey made you less fat, which was really just a nice way to leave the country. Well, Thank as you lean, for that. So lean meat than others. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best kind of bacon, they say, Graham. Um, oh. Why don't we go to That's Women's World Cup okay. action? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, okay. It's not Canadian, the round one either, Joe, is it? It's uh, No, it's not. Uh, it's the one from the pig is the best bacon. <laughs> Japan to Costa Rica nil. Japan are through to the knockout rounds of the Women's World Cup. Hikuro Namato and Abo Fujino, uh, Fijino, excuse me, both scoring in three first half minutes. Uh, Japan, Graham, good at the soccers still, we think. Uh, 25 yeah. shots, 15 on target here. Pretty high quality stuff from the Japanese. Yeah, absolutely. This was another impressive performance. By them, dominant from from Japan, as we expected it, it would be. The first half in, in particular was impressive. Just fantastic use of the ball, lots of rotation in the front line, excellent work rate. It was a difficult one for Costa Rica again. I think Japan, they did ease off in the second half a little bit. And Costa Rica actually had a, a, a decent portion of the ball. But even then, it didn't really feel like Costa Rica were able to do anything much with it and Japan were in a position to withdraw some of their best players in, in the second half and kind of coast to another three points. It felt like they started thinking about that final game against Spain to decide who finishes top of this group at about half time is when that entered their mind. And we'll talk about Spain a little bit later on. That game is going to be a good one. This is me dancing because I think I got my first specific prediction point of the tournament with this one. Japan only offside once in this game as opposed to nine times against Zambia. And I did sort of think maybe they would take their foot off the gas if they got up to an early lead. And that is pretty much how that played out, as Graham said. Uh, I come away from this one even more impressed by Japan and the way that they're able to move the ball, the way they're able to just continuously find passing options to even when there are overloads, even when they are pressed to play their way out of it. And to take their goals really well, uh, I, I with the slight asterisk that I still don't know how good Costa Rica and Zambia are or how bad they are, maybe is a better way to put that. So Japan have looked excellent. So too have Spain. I'm really excited for what they do in the knockout round. But I still think this Japan team and the Spain team that we're going to talk about are probably the two most impressive teams I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I love the way that they construct attacks and possession where... Um, I apologize for the pronunciation of some of these names, but Nayamoto and Sujita, they, they were almost sitting on top of each other to combine. And then it's a single, a similar thing. So that's on the left side of the midfield. Then it's a similar thing with Fujino and uh, Shim, Shim, Shimizu on the other side. But they are, they're capable of like stretching it in an instant as well. And they get plenty of players into the box. So it was difficult for Costa Rica because one moment they're getting you know passed around and there's quick combination play. Then the next moment they're having to chase back and recover. And Japan, they had 29 advancements into the final third in the first half, which um, you know seems like quite a lot. And they, they were just able to do a number of different things really well. But at the same time, There's like a cohesion to their approach as well. Yeah, I was really impressed by them. Yeah, Joe, your thoughts on this Japan side? Once again, I thought they were the anti-Norway here. Um, Lovely attacking movements, as Graham said. Great off-the-ball movement. They seem to want the ball. And when 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 the ball was loose, they seemed to be in the right position to pick it up every time. It just seemed like they had a master plan and it was pulled off very effectively here. 
Very much so, Ryan. I, I would completely agree with that assessment of Japan in this game. They're effective, and they're also just so darn fun to watch, right? Like the way that they build up from the back, center backs passing the ball on the ground or, or playing little clip passes into the half spaces. Almost everybody, it feels like, for Japan on the field at any given time is comfortable on the ball in basically any part of the field. So it, it, it is this mesmerizing thing to watch, and it's a rare thing to watch, right? How many times have we talked about at the international level that a lot of teams don't have the cohesion that we tend to see at the club level, which is understandable because these players don't play together. They don't have as much time to play together with limited international windows and games and all of those sorts of challenges. So to see a team like Japan, and Spain certainly fall into this bucket later on, and we'll talk about them, to see Japan specifically, though, in this game play with as much cohesion all the time, it was it was like the game against Zambia, but I thought Costa Rica posed a slightly more formidable challenge to them than, than Zambia did in the first game. I, I really enjoyed what I saw from Japan, not just because they're, they're good at a lot of stuff, and they are, but also because they solved some real problems seemingly on the fly at the early mm -hmm. stages of this game. Costa Rica, we haven't really talked about them at all yet. You know, they're in this... 4-4-2 attacking shape that, that kind of looks like either a 4-4-2 or maybe a 4-4-1-1 defensively. And the idea here is up against Japan's 3-4-3 possession shape, Costa Rica have a lot of numbers centrally. They have the front two or the, the one with the one behind and then the double pivot to go and try to take Japan's double pivot out of the game. And I thought, actually, Costa Rica had some success early on in this match doing that. Like I'm talking first 10, 15 minutes of the game. They, they couldn't really, Japan couldn't really find the feet of those players, or at least they couldn't find the feet of those players to then turn and play forward with the ball on the ground. Eventually, though, with Costa Rica kind of marking those midfielders out of the game, the center back started to find angles directly into the two narrow wingers. And, and really the one that stood out to me was Eoba Fujino in this game. And, and Graham, I think you mentioned Fujino. She scores the second goal in this match for Japan. She's picking the ball up in all of these really clever spots on that right side. And the connection, even with the midfield, the double pivot somewhat limited at the beginning of this game, the connection quickly became very, very strong to find those players, to get them involved, to bypass midfield when necessary, but not to do it in a hopeful way, to do it with control. Like all, all of Japan's game to me just screams control. And they have this, this lovely mixture of technical ability and athleticism to go on top of that. Yeah, and individualism as well. There were a couple moments where... So my favourite moment of the whole match is Sajita fully stealing a person's soul. Uh, I think it's about the, the 63rd minute when she stands up the Costa Rican right-back, Koto, throws in some lovely footwork, a bit of a, a drop of a shoulder, a bit of a feint there, and then dribbles the long way around her to the, to the byline. Yeah, the techers that this Japan team has might be unmatched in this tournament. Which I think is also part of the problem when it comes to defending them. Because Joe laid out there, you can mark that double pivot in midfield, but then they're going to bypass that. So then you can mark uh, Fujino, which is what Zambia tried to do in the second half. But then other players are more than capable of exploiting those opportunities that are presented when a defense is too focused on one player or a couple of players. So I feel like the familiarity they have and the sort of team way that they play and it like it can be individual but i think it's an it's a team of individuals that can also play as a collective unit which is pretty much what you need if you want to go far in a world cup so i continue to think japan uh, well positioned to do that uh with all that said i would like to ask if any of our listeners speak japanese is it fujino or, or fujino or is it hujino because i have i have seen that the fu is pronounced as who uh, mm. but then i think all the commentators on fox at least who broadly do a good job of following the pronunciation guide, have called her Fujino. So I don't know which one it's supposed to be, but I would like to know, just because I'm mostly curious. 
that's good to hear. Curiosity killed the cat. That's not applicable in this scenario. Taylor, the cohesion <laughs> that we have spoken about uh, so far about this Japan side uh, that belies the amount of time this team spends together as a team unit. How much of that do we credit uh, Futoshi Ikeda, the coach, with in terms of the way she's brought this team together and the way that she has them purring? Curiosity killed the cat. Purring. I brought it back. There you go. Uh, he's done a great job with them. And I think worth no- noting that this is a manager who has been with this national team for quite some time. Uh, I talked about this when I did the Japan preview that he was their uh, U-17s, like U-18s, U-20s coach when they won the U-20 World Cup. He has brought through a number of these players and also from his club experience has a lot of familiarity with a bunch of these players uh, who still play for the club where he was managing. So I think the the familiarity that he has across the board with this team combined with some of the veterans that have been brought in I think means that this team knows how to play really well. They're effective uh, when pressing. They're effective when sitting deep and then counterattacking. They're good on the ball in possession. They're good individually in 1v1. They're also okay with a physical match, but they're more than happy to not let things get physical. I feel like they can kind of roll with whatever the game requires, uh, at least so far in this tournament. That has been the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Already doing some tapping up in the in the running order yeah, on, the, yep. on the behalf of U.S. soccer. <laughs> I am I am hesitant to turn every women's World Cup conversation into a U.S. women's national team convo, and I think we've done a good job of not doing that so far. I do want to ask, like, <laughs> I, I think about watching this Japan team play. I think about some other teams that play good soccer at this World Cup. The other one that, that comes to mind is Spain that play really beautiful soccer. But I'm not sure anybody should be touching Jorge Vilda with a 10-foot pole when it comes to managerial hires. So I turn to Futoshi Ikeda. Taylor, how would you feel about U.S. soccer tapping up Ikeda at some point after this World Cup and, and maybe trying to bring him into the fold? He's only ever, as far as I'm aware only ever coached in Japan and coached you know, with Japan. Yep. So that mm-hmm. would be very new. I don't know mm-hmm. if he speaks English or not. I think there are a lot of challenges here. What do you think about that idea? You mean after Vlatko helps them win their third straight World Cup? Yes, I'm down for that. Very yeah, down. I, I mean, like this it, plan. I like this a after, lot. <laughs> after he rides off into the sunset. Uh, I mean, I think that that is, I'm joking, but that is also sort of like gets at my answer, which is I don't know, because I don't know how this is going to go. Maybe Vlatko has more practicality in the knockout round than Ikeda, but thus far Ikeda has really impressed. It's just that that's a thus far sort of situation. Sure. Uh, obviously he has been good at youth level, as I said, but we have to wait and see how he does in this tournament. But if they, if they make a run, which I think they will, then it becomes more of a conversation, especially if yeah. the United States fail to do so, or at the very least fail to make that final. I think then maybe that does open the door to looking at what some other federations are doing. It it feels like that's the direction that U.S. soccer might want to be heading since what Pia Suntaga. I mean, I guess it's only been Jill Ellis and then Vlatko, uh, but we haven't had a, a, a foreign coach in a while, but we have had one previously. So it's not like there isn't a precedent for that. Uh, I think the U, I think the only thing I would say is that my assumption is that U.S. soccer sees itself, at least on the women's side, as like top tier. And so there might be a little bit of hesitancy to then have a foreign manager from like an up and coming plucky side, even though they've won the World Cup before Japan. Like sure. I could see U.S. soccer maybe not having the humility to go after a, a foreign manager who doesn't have that same pedigree. Yeah, we don't like I said, we don't need to turn this into a full blown combo. I will push back not on the concept, but just on like the, the list of candidates. I don't know who the American coach is to take this U.S. team to the next level. I don't know who that that person is that's coached at this high of a level before. I don't really think that person exists. So, Mike Krzyzewski. Boom. Mike Krzyzewski. Coach K <laughs> up in here. Um, so set, <laughs> setting that aside for a moment, to go back to Japan, as much praise as as we have all 
heaped on this Japanese team and, and as in love as I am with how Ikeda has this team playing and how the players are executing, it is worth noting they have probably played what have turned out to be, as much as it pains me to say this yeah. about the Copper Queens, two of the worst teams in this competition, like two of the four or five worst teams in this competition. I think this game against Spain that's coming up for both, I mean, Japan, Japan get Spain, Spain get Japan. This is like the heavyweight matchup in this group and maybe could be the game of the, the group stage. I think that will be the most telling match for this group by a, a, a long shot, a wide margin. I think that's where I meant to go with that. I am stoked for that matchup. I am stoked but nervous because so often that game that we think is going to be this clash of the Titans who are back and forth and they're both so good. It's a they each complete 600 passes and have one shot combined on goal. So I hope it is an exciting end to end game where they're both going for it. I am slightly nervous that it is instead, hey, we're both through. Let's not uh, run over each other here. Let's rest some stars and let's just take it easy. Uh, I could see this one being like nil nil one one. Germany, Spain from the men's World Cup uh-huh. guitar. The only difference this time is we're not throwing a watch along party for that match. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Yay. Right. Time is still uh, on our side there. Uh, Graham, before we go to break, quick note on Costa Rica. Uh, probably, uh, well, well, we can all agree, uh, outclassed in this game. Kim McCauley, yeah. I saw tweeting that uh, Daniela Solera, the goalkeeper, might make the team in a tournament for a team on zero points. Uh, 10 saves today. Uh, I believe she uh, successfully acquired my VSP for me. Thank you very much, Daniela. Uh, 19 saves in this tournament. Got a hand. I'm going to say she got a hand to the opening goal as well. Uh, Standout player so far. Yeah, and that maybe doesn't say a great deal about the overall quality of Costa Rica in an outfield sense. I actually thought this wasn't the... This is one of these things where the bar is so low that you kind of wonder if that's influencing your opinion, but I, I didn't think it was like the worst performance by Costa Rica um, in the circumstances of playing one of the strongest teams in the tournament that we've seen so far. They did force a number of turnovers from Japan and they did have a foothold in the, se- in the, in the match in the second half. They were trying to break, but the issue was in the lack of numbers to to, to, to support those break uh, those breaks. But yeah, there, there was some intent there. There was an element of competitiveness, but certainly still out of their depth against this Japan team. They were indeed. Well, Group C is pretty much wrapped up. As we say, Spain and Japan are through on six points. Costa Rica and Zambia have not registered a point. A registered a point yet, excuse me. And as Taylor mentioned, Japan versus Spain is on Monday to decide who tops the group or to decide who puts out a full-strength team and tries to have some shots. We shall find out in due course. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll come to that Spain victory over Zambia. Back shortly. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one... It's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. 
But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our Women's World Cup Daily. We turn our attention now to Spain 5, Zambia nil. Another big win for the Spanish, who were dominant from start to finish in this one. Uh, Jenny Hermoso and Alberto Dondo scoring twice each here. Yet another 5-0 loss for Zambia. Uh, Spain are through along with Japan here. Graham, I want to start off with the goal that wasn't scored by Hermoso or Redondo, the Teresa Alabileros goal. Oh, um, I think, despite that amazing Brazil goal, this might be my favourite of the tournament so far. I love it when a ball is hit hard, yeah. no spin or, or or backspin on it at all. Oh, what a, what a hit. Perfectly placed as well. Loved it. So I still think it's almost like an ideological uh, question, isn't it? Like, which mm. goal do you prefer? The Brazil one, which is obviously all nice passing and slick and kind of passed into the into the net in the end or this which is just a big old thwack isn't it that's what this is <laughs> uh, right in the top corner yep. no back lift no dip on the ball either just like a straight arrow it kind of reminded me of taylor you'll you'll remember this goal um the ronaldo free kick from ages ago yep. um against portsmouth portsmouth yeah where like yeah where it doesn't obviously a very famous goal listeners will, will also remember this goal um it doesn't at any point drop it just continues yep. to like rise all the way into the top corner and this had the same sort of trajectory so yes very visually appealing yeah beautiful stuff beautiful stuff um joe what did we make of the spain here controlled the game dictated the tempo did the things we expected to do against uh, your copper queens not enough not enough if the copper queens are going to get absolutely thwacked to use a gramism <laughs> right there in a slightly different way they could at least do it to get me the eight goals that i needed from japan and spain for a goal differential oh, and it's fine it was exactly what we talked about yesterday i knew word you were gonna be mad about word. this i was so happy. i wanted zambia to show well if they weren't gonna show well at least lose by six guys come on what are we doing um <laughs> yes spain completely dismantled this team i will say like this is searching hard for a silver lining, just as we did a little bit for Costa Rica. Five goals again for Zambia to lose by five goals. It, this was better than it was against Japan. Yeah, it it was. just wasn't better by enough, right? They actually find, found Barbara Banda a handful of times in this game. She had, I believe, five more touches in this one than she did against Japan. Like was somewhat involved even inside the first ten minutes. Like Zambia were finding long balls into Banda, which was always going to be their primary method of attack. And, and she could actually break down that right side, in, in this case, in, in the early stages of the game, and get in the box and, and try to create something. The challenge was it just wasn't enough. Spain are too dominant. They have too much talent in every part of the field. We get Puteas back in this game from the start. She doesn't play the whole match. She doesn't need to. The game's basically over by halftime. Although credit to Zambia for, for keeping it 2-0 for as long as they did. 
But Buteas, man, she brings so much to this team. She's not obviously the only key player. You could basically run through all of that Spanish midfield and, and basically every other player on the field. Balmati, I thought, was good. Once again, Abalera, the goal is is unreal, but also her ability to link play and combine and counterpress and defend. She, she put in, like, this complete performance. But Buteas, you can tell, brings a little something extra, not just with her work on the ball. And she was creative on the ball in this game but also with her movement. Like the second goal, it's Hermoso's goal in the 13th minute or, or the first of Hermoso's goals. That one comes in the 13th minute and it's Puteas making a really savvy run off the ball into the left half space to kind of find a pocket of space while Zambia's back line are, are stretched and trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Her movement keys that entire sequence to have her back in with the other two yeah. completely elite central midfielders that Spain have to go along with the depth and the quality they have in every line of the field. This game was never going to shake out favorably for Zambia when they were down to their third choice goalkeeper. By the way, Unis Sakala was making her first ever start for Zambia, 21-year-old goalkeeper. Did okay in this game, maybe better than I, I thought a 21-year-old making their first start for their national team at this stage would do. But man, the injuries have, and, and suspensions now have really put Zambia behind it, and they were always vulnerable defensively. Spain had the advantage in this one, and they, and they ended up pressing it really, really hard. Yeah, with Pateas being back in the Spain team, Joe, the thing that I maybe underestimated with her being out of this team was the relationships that she has with a number of those Spain attackers in particular. So Bon Mate, I know Jennifer Hermoso doesn't play for Barcelona anymore, but spent three or four years at Barcelona playing with Pateas. And it's not as if Spain were lacking cohesion, but I think you could see in just the way that Pateas was linking um, parts of the, the team together, different areas of the pitch together, that there is that relationship there. You mentioned the depth as well there, Joe. That was another thing that hit me in this match about this Spain team. So Pateas, she comes off at halftime. Jorge Vilda, I think, just managing her minutes, her first start for Spain for over a year um, she's been out missing through obviously the rebellion but also the the injury as well suffered just before the Euros so she's not been in this team for for, for long but she comes off at halftime and, and is replaced by Alba Redondo um, Hermoso drops a little bit deeper and then Redondo scores twice in this game then Del Castillo comes off with an, in, with an injury in the second half which could be like a real blow she's she's an important player for Spain but then Caldente comes on and just dribbles around Zamb Zambia for fun in the final 10 minutes. So they have seriously good options. And the way that Vilda is managing, I know I know Jorge Vilda is not a particularly popular figure, but just looking at the footballing aspect of things in these first two games, the way that he is managing players' minutes, I think could help Spain a lot later in the tournament. Indeed. Taylor, what did you make of the Spanish performance here? On the, on the UK broadcast, they were talking about vulnerability on the counter-attack to Zambia here, the way they were committing numbers forward. I'm not sure vulnerable is the word I would use in the context of this game necessarily, but maybe um, maybe a, a small Achilles heel for later down the line. I don't know, potentially, but, but I feel like Spain play by killing you with possession, killing you with uh, off-the-ball movement, and just continuously making you have to put out tiny little fires or occasionally very, very big fires. Uh, and I think until we come up against a team, until they come up against a team, rather, we see them against a team that can nullify their passing ability, but then also present that threat on the break, 
uh, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I'm not sure which team that is. I'm sure there are teams that are capable of doing that, of sitting deep and, and frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, this Spain team feel like, okay, sit deep. We'll hit shots from distance and rifle them into the back of the net. It's just, it's similar to what we were talking about with Japan. I think there's, they're so multifaceted in what they do and how they want to play. They're not married to one concept necessarily. I think there's things that they prefer to do, but there's other things that they are capable of. So uh, this is another team that I think are poised to make a, a pretty lengthy run in this tournament. I have Spain and Japan as the two most impressive teams so far with Germany just behind uh, right now yeah. at least. Yeah, and, and I agree with, I think I agree with that. Actually, I hadn't considered that much before you said that, but that, I have that it seems here. right to me. I have it Spain, Japan, Germany, Brazil, and then USA, I think, as the five teams that like look the strongest so far. I'm still Make on my anti-Brazil agenda, but uh, setting that aside, uh, I don't really want to be that guy. By the way, Brazil are fun, and I hope they, they improve as the tournament goes on. The challenge is, again, with all these teams, like with Spain, they, they haven't faced a, a good team yet, right? Like There's still so much left for us to learn about this group. They haven't faced a, a competent low block. And, and credit to Costa Rica in that true. first game. You know, good goalkeeping performance. They, they do try to compress space, but the level is just still night and day from Costa Rica to Spain, even as we've talked about generally the gap at this tournament not being as wide as, as I think a lot of us thought it could be, there still is a very real gap, and it, it has not shown itself in any greater way than in these games for Spain, especially in Japan, maybe slightly underneath that. I just want to see Spain come up against a team at some point that is going to give them a game, right? And, and we will see that against Japan in some way, and I would imagine we'll see that later on in this competition. I'm not exactly yearning to see a, a really compact low block for 90 plus minutes against Spain. But I do think very clearly that is the way to beat this team. If you don't have enough firepower to go right at them and very few teams in this competition have that level of firepower. So I want to see a low block where unlike in this game for Zambia, they're not kind of just shipping goals inside their own box. They're, they're not losing track of their markers, all those kinds of things. I, I want to see that just as a litmus test for where Spain yeah. is at this current moment. I don't even know if this is possible, but I want to see Haiti play against Spain. If we're talking about like a shock, obviously there are higher caliber teams that can beat the Spain team. But if we're talking about like an underdog that could potentially give Spain a game, like Haiti, the way that they played against England with Dumornay on the break, I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see if they would have any joy against the Spain team. Yeah, um, Joe, no no low block from Zambia here, but the only kind of block I think we saw was the one that um, the defender, uh, number three, Mwiba, did on the goalkeeper on the second goal, completely blocked her from getting a chance of fight, uh, getting a hand on the header. Third choice keeper is Eunice Sakala for Zambia, yeah. by the way, yeah. who made a decent, uh, just before the half, I think it was a pretty good point blank save that she made as well. Yeah. So that's a consideration that it's, they're not on their first or second choice keeper here. Yeah, uh, Graham, it is. Oh, sorry, Go ahead, Taylor. Taylor. No, you're good. Was, uh, Graham, if Spain topped the group, which is an if, uh, I believe I'm correct in saying they would play the runner-up from Group A. Correct. Would you rather, if we're talking about a team that can do the defensive side of things but then maybe hit on the break, would you rather that be New Zealand or Norway or potentially Switzerland? Switzerland uh, on top right now with four points, but it could be it could be really anybody finishing second. Which of those, which of those teams would you most like to see? Which one do you think uh. makes it the most competitive game? Can I say none of them? So what are the options? <laughs> New Zealand, Switzerland, like anyone from Group A, essentially, yeah, because that's completely up for grabs. Mm -hmm. um, I guess Switzerland, just because we've seen them, certainly in their, in their last game, like be well-organized and give themselves a chance with keeping hold of the ball for periods. Which that would be a great game. To do that against Spain. That would but, be a, um, a fantastic game. Switzerland would be my pick just, but maybe because the other options are not so hot. <laughs> I do think, even though I'm I'm sort of like pumping the brakes on all these teams, I think Spain will absolutely annihilate any team in Group A, and I'm very, very excited for it. 
Wonderful. We look forward to that. Uh, before we move on from this game, Graham, we teased it at the top. Um, maybe we should realise that we do like the VAR um, announcements from the referees, but a lot of referees didn't get into this game to do public speaking. No. <laughs> and uh, the referee, it was uh, Hyun Jong-oh who was the referee for this one. Uh, a couple of the goals were decided by VAR announcement. It was the fourth goal where um, she got a word a little mulled and said, no offside, no goal. No, no, goal. So it was like, she kept saying no goal and the just players were saying no. confused and it was, yeah, it wasn't I felt great. sorry for her. That's yeah. that's how I would announce that goal, <laughs> me being <laughs> terrible at public speaking as well. And then clearly, you mentioned this in our Slack, Ryan, for the next VAR decision, for the fifth goal, I believe, um, which was also onside, it clearly had got in her head and she was very, very nervous for that moment as well. So yes, referees are maybe not always the most natural public speakers. We can't all be, they can't all be Mike Dean. I'm sure that they did get actual preparation, but I like to think FIFA being FIFA that like right before the first game, they're like, oh, by the way, you're going to be on mic and you have to explain it. Anyway, yeah. get out there and do some yeah, VARing. Tens of thousands of fans. <laughs> well, that's the thing. In the stadium. When she became a referee, she was not anticipating having to do an announcement in front of tens of thousands, millions of people viewing as well. So I think it's a, a consideration to make for these referees. As well. I want someone to crack a joke first just to break the tension and then go into the announcement. <laughs> the thing about X is, and then go into... Uh, you can do like pull my finger, go. There we go. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways we could do this, Graham. But like, uh, uh, Taylor, any more on this game before we head off and uh, talk about Canada Island? No, I want to hear more pull my finger jokes from you instead. <laughs> I was just picturing a visual pulling a finger and it going go when you pull it. That's it. That's all I had. Um, yeah. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Canada's victory over Ireland. Back shortly. Today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Indochino. MLS is back, which means MLS fits are back. We got to see FC Dallas's cowboy hat move from player to player, and Iramendi rocked that thing after their win recently over the San Jose Earthquakes. We're getting to see pregame fits, another FC Dallas player, and Kosi Tafare never disappoints. Will Trapp over in Minnesota has surprisingly good pregame fits for the Loons. Athletes love to have the right fit, and so do we. We love wearing our sports gear, but you can't wear a jersey all the time. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Indochino has high-quality suits that are designed to fit you. They're made to your exact measurements and customizations, endless customization options at that. This is custom clothing, folks, at a surprisingly affordable price. We're talking quality wools, linen, and cotton in different colors and patterns. Indochino.com is your one-stop shop for all of this stuff. The ordering process is easy. The site is super simple, clean, and easy to use to find suits, shirts, pants, blazers, outerwear, all of that good stuff over at Indochino.com. If you want to level up your game with Indochino, go to Indochino.com and use code ATHLETIC to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to Women's World Cup Daily. We're going to go now to a very rainy Perth, where Canada got a 2-1 win over Ireland. A comeback win from the Canucks. Is it Canucks or Canucks, Taylor? I never know with that one. I've only heard Canucks. Let's go with that. First win in a tournament for the Canucks, uh, which sent the Irish home with two losses. This one, Taylor, um, I was saying before we came on broadcast, uh, on, on the podcast here, on the UK broadcast, they were very sympathetic to the Irish, uh, particularly after the first half. They sort of called it a near-perfect half from the Irish, who got a, a, a go-ahead goal from an Olympico, no less, of course, yep. from Katie McCabe, which was spectacular, and then conceded at the exact moment you don't want to concede just before the first half, and then the second half did not go their way yeah especially with that equalizer being an own goal as harsh as that is because i don't think Connolly. i mean she certainly knows what happened because she tries to make a play on the ball but it's the wet surface it's a ball whipped in it's a it's barely even an own goal like it just grazes her toe uh, but i watched this one so many times to see that you can definitely see her eyes sink as it goes into the net with the telltale expression of that came off me and i know it did but yeah w- with that being as late as it was into injury time in the first half with ireland definitely feeling like they were more in control like this game was going more to their script i think for that equalizer it really changed the momentum. I think it changed a little bit of Ireland's confidence. And then I think Christine Sinclair, Sophie Schmidt, and Zadorsky all coming on uh, to start the second half probably also has a pretty sizable impact. But before we talk about any of that, we should spend some time on that Olympico because I know I know over here I think it was more uh, accepted that it was deliberate because John Strong, straight up before she takes that corner kick, says she scored two Olympicos previously. Let's see if she goes for one again. And then she did, which has to feel very good if you're him. Oh. Graham, are you, uh, I'm, I'm assuming your team deliberate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm convinced that she meant it because yeah. if you look at um, McCabe after she hits it, she knows it's got a chance from the moment it leaves her foot. And mm-hmm. she's actually off. I don't know if she's off. It's kind of midway between, obviously, if you're a corner kick taker, you are getting kind of back on side in case the ball comes back out to you. So there's an element of that. But there is a spring in her in her step that makes mm-hmm. me think she is starting her celebration already when it's kind of midway towards the, the goal. Yeah. It wasn't great goalkeeping is no. one thing that we should, we should say. Um, Sheridan kind of takes a couple steps forward and pays dearly for it, almost like she misread the flight of the ball and then gave herself too much to do. By backtracking, but yeah, none, nonetheless, it was a, an incredible moment, an, an Olympico against the Olympic champions yeah. at a World Cup. It doesn't really get much better than that. Yeah. Uh, and and to further uh, add evidence, uh, you could see when the ball is about to go in, two teammates already have their hands in the air <laughs> and not in a like, oh, I can see this going in. Definitely to me more of a like, she did this in training. We knew yep. she was going to go for it. It worked. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you. Uh, Caitlin Sheridan does not cover herself in glory here. I think takes those steps th- like just it's it's a it's an enthusiasm. It's an adrenaline moment. Uh, it's it's I'm going to get this ball. I'm going to punch it clear. And then just realizing she's never going to be able to do that. But by then she's taken herself fully out of like being able to cover the back post. And so when it drops in, you can see her look around because she wants to blame somebody. She wants to be mad at somebody, but no one lost their mark. No one uh, failed to track or left a zone open. She just misplayed it. And so she ends up, I think, throwing the ball away and then yelling at herself for a good couple seconds. Felt bad for her, though. I'm guessing she feels better now with a two to one uh, full time result. 
I, I can't imagine, Taylor, how delighted John Strong was that he had that in his notes and he chose that time to mention that he had yes. that in his notes. That's amazing. Very it was. Well it was It was great moments in commentary, for sure. <laughs> Classic stuff. Uh, I've actually been fortunate enough to score an Olympico in my rec career. I did Humble it one brag. time, tucked into the back post. I was gracious enough to admit I did not mean it because I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I don't think that was the case. with Everyone knew that already. I think everyone knew. Everyone knew. I was, yeah, I was probably going for the center circle or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Joe, your thoughts on this one? Canada, who I thought were actually, particularly first half, were not good. Uh, retweet, yes, or re-X. I don't, I don't know what we're doing anymore on, on Twitter at this point. <laughs> oh, but what I will say is, Ryan, I think, you're, I think you're spot on with that. Canada in the first half, no Christine Sinclair. And, and I mentioned this in my preview. A lot of discussion around Canada seems to always come back to Christine Sinclair. And I think a lot of times that can seem lazy because, oh, she's just been at every World Cup ever, basically, and is a generational goal scorer and is the, pe- the person that people know on this Canada team. Although those things are true, at the same time, I think this match was the testament to how important she is to this team. She does not start this match. Canada, for the first 45 minutes, have very little going for them in the attack. They're in this 4-3-3 shape. Jesse Fleming's back. That's great. They've got Grosso, who I, I really liked and enjoyed watching a lot of footage of ahead of my preview of this Canada team. They're playing as these kind of free eights. They're trying to get the wingers in behind Adriana Leon, who eventually scores a goal in the second half. Once Christine Sinclair is back on the field, Jordan Heidema on the other wing. Both of those players are very direct and want to be vertical. The issue for Canada was they didn't have anything, any any one to link play. Like they were completely devoid of creativity. Maybe Fleming helped a bit in moments. I, I didn't see a ton from her that was like, wow, they've desperately been missing this player. Ireland, when they get that goal early on in this match, can afford to sit a little deeper, even than maybe they'd planned to in that 5-4-1 block. And Canada, they, they progressed the ball, they dominated possession, they had a few shots. I, I didn't see much from them that, that made me think, oh, this is the favorite in this group, or this is the team that really has a chance to make a run. Like a lot of folks around the soccer world have been talking about them over the last, well, I guess really since they won the Olympics. Now, what I will say is, things did change in the second half. And I don't think it was a coincidence that Christine Sinclair comes on, they shift to a 4-2-3-1, Sinclair's the 9, Jesse Fleming's behind her as the number 10, and all of a sudden, Canada do feel like they're ticking a little bit more. They get that goal at the end of the first half, maybe there's this intangible momentum boost that comes with that, and, and suddenly they feel a little more liberated. But man, Sinclair comes in, and like five minutes into this half, even less than that, the reward for having her on the field is so clear. She, she's over on the left side, drifting a little bit, as she often does, as this central player, 9, but not really a 9, you get the idea. She, she drifts over to the left side, keeps a ball in, just barely, like gets to this ball on the left sideline, keeps it in, finds Jordan Heidema near the box, gets on the ball for Heidema, turns and shoots. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we have someone who can hit a pass and connect play a little bit. Even thinking about the second goal uh, that, that comes in, shoot, what is that, the 53rd minute for Leon. A lot of things happen after this moment. But this is a sequence early on in in, in this build-up to the goal where Canada are back a bit deeper in their half. And who is the one that plays the ball backwards to let Canada look forward and attack space on the break? It's Christine Sinclair. Like, she's the one putting together these little clever touches and these little moments to give Canada a chance to breathe and to set themselves up for success. She wasn't the only bright performer. Leon's goal, I thought, was fantastic in the 53rd minute. The way she receives that ball from Schmidt, brings it down with the first touch inside of the right foot, finishes with the second touch, top of the left foot is a great moment, but we didn't see those moments in the first half when Christine Sinclair wasn't on the field. I think it is both great for Canada that you can see how much better they get when Sinclair's out there and exceedingly troubling that they seem basically devoid of any and all ideas when their veteran, who doesn't have maybe 90 minutes in her legs all the time, 
when Sinclair's not on the field. Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that winning goal, Joe. It was excellent. Well set up, as you say. And Leon the Assassin. Leon the Assassin. No smiles around. Okay, I'll move on from that one. <laughs> did, um, you mean, did you mean because he's a professional? Yeah. This is confusing because in, in other markets, the movie's just called Leon, whereas I think it's called The Professional in the US. Maybe uh-huh. I've... Uh, I don't think he's ever called an assassin, though. But I appreciate what you've gone for. Is that not what he is? <laughs> I think I, I don't appreciate know. that this this has completely fallen flat. Like, I, really appreciate it. <laughs> I try, I try, uh, and obviously, obviously, do not succeed, Graham. Uh, just like the Irish, in fact, in this tournament so far, do we feel, Graham, that uh, it's a little harsh that the Irish are out at this stage after two games, being pretty competitive in the first game against yeah. Australia, and very competitive in this game as well. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a shame that they're out of this tournament already because, as you say, they have contributed. They've, they've played the hosts, one of the not just the, the host, but kind of one of the stronger nations in this tournament in Australia. And then they played the Olympic champions. And uh, as you say, Ryan, have been extremely competitive in both matches, suffered narrow defeats. And just because of the way that the fixtures have fallen, that's them out. The, the biggest compliment I can give them is they look like they belong at mm-hmm. this level. They don't look like tournament debutants. You could certainly argue they deserve something out of this match. It's rare that you get a match where if you'd told me that the two teams had changed kits at halftime and I didn't know the players, like I would have believed that. The way that Ireland played in the first half is how Canada played in the second half and and, and vice versa. Um, so you could argue they deserve something out of this, of this match, especially on the basis of the first half. Um, when we did see a more proactive side to this Irish team there has been a narrative about this Ireland team that you know they're just up for a scrap and maybe I I leaned into that narrative in my in my preview that is an element of their game but we saw what they can offer in an attacking sense through players like Katie McCabe who didn't just have the Olympico moment um, in the second half there were there were a couple very bright moments from her I would actually say on the flip side of that that's maybe a little bit of a criticism of Ireland as they didn't seem to have a plan b when they fell behind besides just get the ball to Katie McCabe, um, but yeah, certainly competitive, and I, I actually hope to see them back at this level in four year ta- four years time when they they'll have had this experience. Likewise, uh, Group B as it stands, Canada on top with four points, Australia the her co-hosts in second place with three, Nigeria with a point, and Republic of Ireland, as we've established, have no points and are eliminated at this stage. We have this Australia was, and Nigeria. Uh, Go ahead, Greg. Sorry, Brian, just to jump in there. Sorry, I, I thought you were kind of tailing off there. Um, this was only the second match at this World Cup where both teams have scored a goal, Oh, which is quite remarkable. Like wow. someone tweeted that out. I can't remember. I would give credit if I could remember. But yeah, two games, the other one being Sweden, South Africa. Every other one yeah. has been no, both teams to score. Yeah, I thought about that in relation to all of our conversations about is this tournament better quality than we've seen? Is it sort of closer than we expected? The number of teams that have not scored or goals that have not had both teams scoring is maybe an argument the other way, that it's more about teams being defensive and trying to shut up shop. Uh, And I think in this case, it's Ireland trying to do that, but maybe just not being able to see it out the way, say, the Swiss were, even the Philippines were. It did make me feel uh, more positive about the Swiss in their game against Norway, that they're able to sort of uh, hold it down and see out that game in a way that the Irish, I think, at at, at the end of the day, were not. Excellent stuff. Good stat there, Graham. Thank you. For the record, I've called out France-Brazil uh, over the weekend as a BTTS, both teams to score, uh, if you feel like uh, doing anything with that information. 
There you are. Excited uh, to hear that. Hear, hear that again via VSP format later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look yeah. out for it tomorrow, guys, or, or Friday. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, look forward to that one. Okay, <laughs> one thing left to do, and it is, Joe, very specific predictions for tomorrow's slate of games. Joseph, would you like to kick off? Sure, sure. I will absolutely go first. My VSP is for the US versus the Netherlands because that is the game that I will be mainlining and maybe mainlining again between now and when listeners hear from us again tomorrow morning. My VSP for this match is that the US will take twice as long, at least twice as long, to score against the Netherlands as they did against Vietnam. I think there are going to be goals in this game, so I think the US will absolutely get on the board. I think there's a chance the Netherlands get on the board as well with some of the attacking talent that they have, but I think there are real vulnerabilities in this Dutch defense, especially if they're even half as aggressive in this match against the U.S. as they were against Portugal. So I think goals will come, but I also think the Netherlands will... This isn't breaking ground. I, th- I think there'll be a, a stiffer test for the U.S., and I think it, it could take the U.S. a bit longer to get on the board. So I decided to double the 14 minutes that it took Sophia Smith to get on the board against Vietnam. So I'm saying the U.S. will score, but only after the 28th minute of this match, or in the 28th minute. Joe, Joe, if you had to, uh, not saying this is part of your prediction, who do you sure. think scores for the United States? Alex Morgan, our pride and joy, the only one. Ca- no, um, I, okay. I, that's mostly being sarcastic. <laughs> Although Alex Morgan, I think, has a very good chance of doing something special in this game. I will go Sophia Smith. It feels like almost anything that comes from the U.S. in the final third does involve Sophia Smith somehow, some way. So, yeah, I'll go with the Portland Thorns attacker. Approved. Thank you very much, Joseph. Graham, your VSP. Yes, I'm going to also look at the US-Netherlands game. It seems like, so I've gone, I I went to a couple of Dutch sites, uh, football.nl, I found an article and Google thankfully helped me to translate that article so I could make sense of it. It does seem like they're going to continue with the back three and that likely means um, Spitz as the right-sided centre-back again. And that is good news, in my book anyway, for Trinity Rodman, who I predict will have five or more take-ons in this match. The Vietnam game was really about Sophia Smith, obviously two goals and an assist. Rodman a little bit quieter in that game. I think this match could be set up for Trinity Rodman to have a real impact. So yeah, five take-ons from her against the Netherlands. That's winning five take-ons, right? Uh, see, Successful the FIFA report, yeah, I, I, I looked for that clarification. The FIFA report just says take-ons. I presume it's successful take-ons. Uh, FOTMOB uh, can cover you. So uh, are you saying take-ons attempted or are you saying completed? Mm. Uh, whatever the FIFA report is because I use that as like the reason I picked five is because that seems like quite a high bar but not too high that it's outrageous so whatever FIFA notes down we'll go we'll now go I want to know that. what she did in their first game against Vietnam yeah. I feel like you're she clear five. I, I feel think like it you're was clear. four I think it was four against against Vietnam I feel it was like more. Um, I went for more Graham's just saying Kenny Sidon in the discord give me as much leeway as you can on this one <laughs> Well, I'm saying whatever the fever report says that's that's what I'm going by <laughs> jolly good thank you very much Graham she I like that one two for okay. three in successful dribbles is that what you're looking for or are we talking dribbles or are we talking take-ons it's down as take-ons okay. this is good Joe, this is good audio is. this is yeah. all really this <laughs> is just a really good part of the show right here okay let's yeah we'll settle this one later thank you for moving us on Joe Taylor what's your VSP um, I am not predicting a very big night from Alex Morgan. I think she will have, I said fewer than 30 touches in the 
document, mostly because I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with the number I thought it would be, which is fewer than 20. So maybe I'll go with fewer than 25. Now, it's worth noting, I believe she only has 11 against Vietnam. I think that's partially to do with the way that Vietnam set up. I think that's partially due to her not having a particularly good game. And I think that's partially due to the United States attacking down the channels, relying on crosses. And I think that's going to be more of the same, except I think Alex Morgan is going to be potentially even more limited with that back three and with her maybe not wanting to drop in because I think there will be other players moving more centrally. I think Alex Morgan can do that, uh, but I don't know if that's necessarily where she is best. So I I don't think she's going to be on the ball much. I don't think she's going to have as many opportunities. Uh, And when she does, I hope she takes them because I want Joe's prediction uh, to be correct. Uh, But in this case, I don't think Alex Morgan is going to be as involved as maybe other teammates in the midfield or out wide. So I'll say fewer than 25 touches total in this game. Marvelous stuff. Thank you very much, Tate Rocco. That game, of course, 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday evening, uh, the U.S. game. Uh, I went a little different. I figured... Most of you guys will probably pick this game for a VSP. So I went for Australia-Nigeria, the other game from Group B. I am saying that Katrina Gori will make four or more tackles in that game. She was the star of the show for Australia in the opening uh, game against Ireland. Uh, made six tackles there, was pretty much the key to breaking up play and starting transitions there. So I think she gives the Nigerian midfield and therefore a hard time with four or more tackles from Katrina Gori. Does anyone have any feeling? I like that prediction, Ryan. Uh, What I didn't like is that I was not able to come up with anything for Portugal-Vietnam because I really have no clear idea how I think that game's going to go. I would lean towards a Portugal win. Does anyone have any thoughts on that game one way or the other or what we can expect? Because I'm not sure I do. I think I would lean towards Portugal as well. I think they're, they're still very, very vulnerable on set pieces. So that is an area that in every Portugal game that I'm watching for. Vietnam, on the other end, very player-oriented in how they defended, like, you know, tracking different players around the field. Portugal didn't have a lot of attacking joy against the Dutch, but maybe this will suit them a bit better to have a chance to sit on the ball more and to try to create those gaps. They'll have the tape from how the U.S. scored, especially that first goal against Vietnam with the third player run in on that left mm-hmm. side from Sophia Smith. Like, they'll, they'll have a chance to really work on some of these patterns, and, and surely they were preparing for some of this player-oriented stuff before this game. But those are at least some things, if not a VSP, set pieces and how Portugal maybe try to face up against a Vietnam lower block, but still one with some pass to goal. Those are the things that I'll be watching for off the top from this game. Marvelous stuff. Thank you very much. We have World Cup Daily to everybody. Congratulations, Joe Lowry, for your part in that. And to you, sir. And to you. <laughs> Graham Ruffin, thank you very much for joining us as always, my friend. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Oh, I've done it again. I mean, uh, <laughs> bye-bye, Ryan Bailey. Sorry. Very good. Commitment to the bit is outstanding once again. <laughs> Great. Taylor I'm not letting go. Thank you very much indeed for your contributions. Uh, thank you, my friend. You were a consummate professional. Oh, apart from when I didn't say words correctly. But hey, we can talk about that another time. Uh, listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. Let's go USWNT for the game that happens this evening as we record. But for now, bye. Bye.